Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. Glad you've joined us for our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. I hope that you had a a good weekend. We are uh, going right into looking at a little more in-depth King Solomon's uh, life. We've uh, Last week we looked at Proverbs uh, chapters uh, 1 through 22, and so now today we're going to be in 1 Kings uh, 5, um, let's see, Oop. sorry, 1 Kings 5, chapters 5 through 10, 5 through 10 in 1 Kings. So if you want to take a moment, and read read those, and then come join us. All right, so chapter 5 uh, k- kicks off with, okay, Solomon is now taken, taken over. Uh, he is now the uh, legitimate king of Israel, and he begins to, <laughs> to uh, build the temple, which that's what something David wanted to do. Remember, we read about how David started preparing uh, so Solomon could uh, complete the temple. Uh, God had told David that that's not something he wanted him to do. David was... Uh, was more of a, a king of war, of establishing the nation, um, but, and Solomon would, would be the one to build the house of the Lord. So uh, chapter 5 um, it starts uh, starts that process, and, and it's interesting. It's very detailed, very in-depth, uh, which again goes to legitimacy um, of of the writing, um, right? it doesn't just say uh, they built the temple. No, it goes into the detail. It goes into uh, the partners that they brought, the king of Tyre. Um, they um, went to them and and uh, Hiram. They sent uh, all of the cedar and, and just all the different um, kind of political partnerships uh, that we see. Again, remember, Solomon was a very wise man, and so he was working uh, to build uh, uh, build the temple. Uh, I love, it, it even talks about in chapter 5, uh, verse 9, it says, I have considered the message which you sent me, and I will do that all that you desire concerning the cedar and cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea. I will float them in rafts by the sea and place them uh, uh, to the place that you indicate to me, and we'll have them broken apart there, and then you can take them away. Right? So, I mean, they're they're floating <laughs> through, through the through the rivers, through the connections, um, you know, bringing the the uh, cedars and the cypress trees from Lebanon. So this is a, a huge undertaking. Uh, Solomon, uh, uh, chapter six, Solomon starts building the temple. Um, and going through uh, all of those processes again, um, uh, he uh, it goes into great detail on what the the materials used, what the temple looks like. Even th- and this was one that I thought was interesting. This is chapter uh, six, uh, verse seven, and the temple when it was being built was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So basically, they built all of the pieces uh, and and shaped them somewhere else, and then brought them and put them together to to build the temple. That's kind of interesting uh, to me, and interesting that why would that be included? Because that's how they did it, right? So it's just really really neat to to read through this uh, and and see what what they do. Um, it talks about building, uh, you know, the the different areas of the temple, and and then the the inner sanctuary as the most holy place. Um, it, many, most, a lot of it was overlaid with gold. It was a very beautiful, very ornate 
And uh, you continue to go on there, the very end of chapter 6, says he was seven years in building it. So it took seven years to build uh, the, the temple. Um, then in chapter 7, talks about other buildings, um, kind of uh, the, the palace um, is, was built. Um, again, talks about some different partnerships uh, that, that they ha- had for, uh, for that to make sure that, that all of that was built. Um, then it talks about the bronze pillars. It talks about all of the different items that would be used at the temple um, to, to furnish the temple. They, they all were just magnificent. And uh, it was clearly a sign of respect and reverence for God, but it was also an indication that God would, had blessed this nation and had blessed this king. Um, and, and so this was going on. It took years for this uh, to happen. Um, finally, uh, in verse 51, uh, there of chapter 7, it says, So all the work that King Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in all the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and furnishings. He put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. And then chapter 8 talks about b- bringing the ark into the Holy of Holies says, nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came to the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priest of the ho- came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke. The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. All right. So the temple is, uh, you know, before this, you had the tabernacle that the people would tear down and set up. Um, and it, that is, was the very real representation of where God dwelt, um, right? It, it, it represented God's presence within the, with, with the people. And everywhere that they would go, it would be the cloud by day, a pillar of, uh, of fire by night. Um, so God was, was with them. And so now you have that uh, pillar of smoke filling the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, which, again, was a confirmation that this is representative of my presence uh, on earth. And so uh, chapter uh, 8 has a lot of uh, dedications and prayers of dedication, and I think it's important to uh, to read through that. You'll see some common themes come up, um, and uh, in uh, starting in verse uh, 22, 23, and, uh, and Solomon said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or earth below like you, and you keep your covenant and mercy to your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised. Your servant David, my father, you have spoken with your mouth, fulfilled it with your hands, and it is uh, as it is this day. Uh, going down a little bit, it says, you shall not fail to have a man sit uh, uh, sit before me on the throne of Israel only if your sons take heed of their way, that they may walk before me. Uh, uh, oops, sorry, and they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. So again, he's acknowledging, he's remembering what David has said, what God has said, that uh, God would bless them if they followed his statutes if they did uh, what God had had called them to do. Then uh, verse 27 says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. Uh, 
How much less this temple which I have built, yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. O Lord, my God, listen to my cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today. Um, I, I love this. It, it's, it is the recognition that this temple was still inadequate to contain the presence of God, right? The presence of God is much bigger than any physical structure. Um, that This was a important representation and it pointed people to God, but but God cannot be contained in human structures, right? That's that's an idol. Uh, God is much bigger than that. And he, he, he clearly makes that uh, case here. He says, I... Uh, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day toward the place of which you said, my name shall be there. And you may hear uh, you, that you may hear the prayer, which your servant makes towards this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and your people, Israel, when they pray towards this place here in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear forgive, right? Uh, so, so again, there's a, there is a recognition. This isn't the literal dwelling place of God, uh, but God is present there and he, he, but nothing can contain him. Uh, and then he goes on to say, when, when, when anyone sins against you, please hear them, uh, whenever they, uh, repent, when, uh, Israel is defeated but before an enemy because they haven't been faithful. Please hear Israel when they return to you. Kind of uh, asking God to continue to be faithful even when the people are not faithful. It's interesting. It's like Solomon kind of knows, hey, we're we're going to mess this up. So will you please continue to be faithful to us? Um, then a Con- continues uh, when there is famine in the land, right? Whenever, whenever things are going poorly because we have not done what we we should do, please remember us. Um, I, I love it. Kind of starts getting uh, personal. It says whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands towards the temple, then here in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone. A According to all his ways, whose heart you know, uh, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. So again, this that God sees the heart. It's it, the the actions are important, uh, and hopefully the actions are representative of what is in the heart. Um, but but God sees sees the heart and. Uh, uh, Solomon is is acknowledging that and how it's important for us to recognize when we have sinned, when we have fallen short. Then uh, verse 41, moreover, and this is very important, moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arms. When he comes and prays towards this temple here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do uh, according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that your temple, which I have built, is called by your name. So, again, uh, the idea that uh, the even the foreigner, that the purpose of the people of Israel is not just to stay in their country and never uh, be a, an example of who God is. No, God is actually revealing himself through the people. Um, and, and so the Solomon has a specific prayer for, for the foreigner, for those who uh, are coming seeking God, that, that they may find God here at this temple.
then it continues on uh, where uh, God as Solomon uh, continues to ask for for blessing. Uh, he dedicates the temple. Then in chapter 9, you have uh, God speaking to, to Solomon. He says, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you built to uh, to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me, as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom in Israel forever. So again, this uh, importance of following his statutes, of doing what God has, has called him to do. It says, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and statutes, which I've set before you, but go to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated uh, will be cast out of my sight. So again, there's consequences to actions. Um, you have uh, the rest of, of chapter 9 and chapter 10 um, g- just show again the, the wealth and the prestige. Uh, chapter 10 talks about the Queen of Sheba coming to, to Solomon and, and being amazed at, at everything that he had and, and giving gifts to Solomon. Uh, his, his wealth grows. Uh, in verse 24 of chapter 10, he says, Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present art articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules uh, at a set rate year by year. Right? So the, the kingdom is growing, it's flourishing, um, Solomon is uh, respected and he is wise. Uh, things are going well at this time, um, but things will eventually change. And, uh, and it's interesting, so for Thursday, I want you to read Ecclesiastes uh, chapters 1 through 6. So chapters 1 through 6 of Ecclesiastes, um, and uh, Ecclesiastes is not an uplifting book. And it's interesting, the contrast of how everything is going well for Solomon, but yet he also writes Ecclesiastes, which which acknowledges kind of the the harsh reality uh, of the world. And so for uh, Thursday, read Ecclesiastes chapters 1 through 6. All right, hope you have a good week, and we'll see you on Thursday. Have a good day.